Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, December 12th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Jackal AMA and updates hosted by Cosmos Haas. Let's take a listen. Hey, man. How are things? Good, man. How about yourself? Working away. Just working away. Just stuck in a meeting. I'm sorry about being a little bit late here. Uh, just the usual. How you been? Yeah. Pretty good. Just the normal Monday. Right on, dude. Right on. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. Yeah, so so let's get into it. Uh, Haas, any any questions that you have that we should probably go through? Because I, I know everything's been up in the air, and we kind of want to uh, get everything out of where we are right now, where everything's going, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I guess first start off with, like, what's the update on the storage side of things? Yeah, so right now, storage is, is on testnet, so we have three storage providers that are stable on testnet and we have another bunch of storage providers that are popping in and out and just testing their machines and, and doing all that good stuff so right now storage is active on testnet we have deals being made deals uh, being broken when storage providers go down so everything's healthy there um so what we are right now is, is we're just trying to do a bunch of testing is is the big thing on on the testnet uh, at like pretty large scale and outside of that, um, that's pretty much where storage is right now. You can upload on the test net. Uh, you can make your file deals. You can do all that good stuff. The thing that we're working on this week is getting um, the actual dashboards online for test net so we can start to have a great user experience there as well. And like for the dashboard, what would all what what would it look like? Yeah, so if anyone used um, Jackal when we had that open beta, where you could kind of go in and and putz around and, and play with that a little bit a few months ago, um, it would look pretty similar. So we have a on our YouTube channel actually, you can go and look at what the dashboard looks like, and we post some screen grabs of, of what it's built like. But it, it's it's kind of like a little bit of a Dropbox experience is is pr- pretty similar there, and we also have. Um, a homepage where you have all your different apps, such as RNS, such as Jacko Storage, and all that good stuff there. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of, and also staking and governance is another page that we're building out. So you can stake from the Jacko dashboard. Other thing that you can do is you can participate in governance from the Jacko dashboard, which is super important. So let's say um, I have a group, and like the group, we share documents and photos and everything else like how similar would it look like when it compares to say like google drive yeah so in the early days it would look quite different um just because like obviously this is all edge tech but as we as we slowly start to build more and more it'll it'll become a pretty seamless experience that you're used to uh the only difference is that since we're end-to-end encrypted it's a it's a tiny bit slower um but it's not really slow enough to be seriously noticeable it's just because files bloat when you encrypt them basically yeah, I mean, that's understandable. So, like, having said that with the encryption, like, let's say um, 
because I think most people in here probably use Google Drive or have used it at some point. Like I use it all the time because it's just the way people send me stuff in crypto or whatever. But like, uh, can you have someone on there just view only? Yeah. So all the permissions are granular in the blockchain. And this is something we call the file tree module. So in the blockchain, we have this big Excel spreadsheet, basically, we can kind of add a little visual here, where it controls, and this is managed by the validators, uh, of who has what files. And uh, the validators are important there because it adds that decentralization where no one can really fool with it uh, through our proof-of-stake blockchain. But um, you can have read-only permissions, you can have write-only permissions, you can have read and write, and you can also revoke it at any time um, using our, our file tree module, which is, which is super important there, where you take... Uh, the public key, so your Jackal wallet address, and then, um, or you take the public key of another user, and then you match that with your Jack uh, with your Jackal account's private key, and you sign a new transaction, providing um, a new user um, the ability to read, ability to write, or read and write, depending on what you decide to uh, provide to them. And you can also revoke that at any time. So will all these users have to have a Kepler wallet? Yeah, so Kepler works. Um, other wallet that you could use, you could use Leap Wallet. We have an integration there. Um, outside of that, uh, those are the only two wallets we have right now. We don't have Cosmo, uh, Cosmo Station yet. Nice. I'm trying to think of... Yeah, I mean, that's the main players, obviously. The other wallet that's obviously prevalent in crypto for the most part is is MetaMask, but I, I don't I personally don't like MetaMask, but yeah, that's uh MetaMask is interesting and this is a little bit of alpha, but uh we're we're currently testing an integration with MetaMask, um, but we're not an EVM, so it gets a little bit complicated there. So uh we have uh, an individual that's actually working on that because that would give us access to a whole new market that isn't actually in Cosmos, which is interesting in its own right. But if what we're seeing is true, then MetaMask might be able to work with Jackal in the way that you can trick MetaMask into thinking that um, our, our, our token and our transactions are an Ethereum transaction. And it's something that our guys have been working on, which is kind of uh, an interesting thing. I know Secret Network was kind of playing with that a while as well. I don't know how far they came with it, but um, we all, all we would have to do there is, is see if it works. If it works, so we would love to integrate that. It would be a really, really good addition for our business. And then the only issue, I guess, with, with MetaMask is the whole um, them exposing your IP address. Yes. So what is there a way to go around it besides using a VPN? Well, so you have to think about this. It's kind of a more complicated question. So could you go around it without using a VPN? The answer is the short answer is no. Uh, you'd have to use a VPN if you don't want your IPFS, uh, IP address exposed. Um, the reason for that is MetaMask is owned by a company called Consensys, and Consensys also owns another company called Infura. And Infura is uh, really popular where, um, if you've ever heard of companies saying, we usually pen to IPFS for data storage, 90% of that time they go through Infura, which is uh, it's a, great, it's a great provider. They, uh, what they do is, is they take, I think it's $140 a month per terabyte. Uh, they'll pin your file for you. And then uh, you can kind of participate in the ability to use IPFS's storage layer. Well, it's, not, it's a discovery layer, and they will store it on whatever servers that um, Infura buys. So since Infura uses these servers um, for them to provide better user experiences sometimes or, 
or just due to the the agreements they have with their data centers, whether that be AWS or Google Cloud, or if they run their own servers, I'm not entirely sure. Um, they have those IP addresses for for those use cases. So what would happen there is your IPFS is exposed on MetaMask through the idea that if Infura got a, a legal letter to ask for the IP address associated with this wallet address, they would have to turn that over uh, if they still have it within the time frame that they're asked. I, I don't know how long it takes them to drop off. I know this really doesn't pertain to Jackal, but what are your personal thoughts on the whole revelation of, of MetaMask exposing people's IP addresses? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a big player uh, in, in the... In the th- in this whole whole mental exercise, and I haven't put much thought into it, but my initial reactions is is that um, I don't see a reason why MetaMask should be collecting any data. And uh, the the reason there is is that they they use the inferior RPC endpoints um, for like is for uptime usages. So I I understand where they're coming from. Um, I. I don't see a really good reason why. Um, I don't see a good reason why they would be collecting any information, though. And uh, that's something we don't do. Is we're not we don't collect any information unless it's on chain, and on chain data is public for everyone. Yeah, that's my thoughts too. I was really turned off about that when I when I found out about that. Um, I know there's there's ways technically around it, but it just seems really web two ish and just really intrusive and kind of anti crypto and. I personally don't want any parts of it. And then you have the naysayers. Well, if you don't have anything to hide, then it doesn't matter. And those type of people and that rationale, just that's kind of a turnoff on me too, because who cares if you don't have anything to hide? It's no one's business. You know, it's like, do you want someone every single time you're having a private conversation on your cell phone or, or text for people just to be like, anyone could just read it. Some people may go, yeah, but I I find those people to be a little bit weird because I just don't think it's anyone's business, you know? Like, I really, when I found out about that, I was like, wow, that's just kind of like going backwards, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, there's, it's this fine line that they have to walk from a service provider standpoint, right? It's hard where there's this continuum of, better user experience equals less security is, is usually the, the trade-off. And, and that's something that we're really working on, actually. And it's a big focus of ours is, is it possible for us to have utmost security, full custody of your data while still having a good user experience? And uh, we're, we're trying to get as close to that as possible. It's a big focus of ours. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's difficult, right? It's especially when you, you kind of have almost a monopoly over on the Ethereum ecosystem for RPCs or endpoints coming from Infura, where they, they provide a lot of other dev resources, such as APIs and, and other different things, which are, are pretty common over there. And that's one of the big FUDs of, of the team in general is uh, the centralization through Infura services. I've heard that one before. But at the end of the day, it, it's I, I really wish that they, they could get around that. And I'm sure they'll find a way to get around that as they employ more decentralized options. And Infura, might even possibly integrate Jackal as kind of like a Web 2.5 bridge as well, if, if they're interested in doing that. And that might actually be a solution to this issue. Yeah, I like that. I mean, because it's just like, I've always viewed, and that's why I initially I really fell, fell for secret is because just 
I mean, privacy, it's just a human right. Like, it's just no one's business that, hey, you, you bought whatever, some crypto, and then now they're like, well, let's associate with this IP address. You know, like, I just, I don't know. Or when you send you send data from one person to another, like, why is your IP address a thing? You know, like, I just, I don't get that. They're, I mean, if they want to put some sort of disclaimer and then you can opt into it, then you can opt into it. But I just think it's really re- ridiculous. So I, I basically super turned off about it in general. And it's it's unfortunate because like I, as much as of a Cosmos Maxim, I like to buy things that are outside of Cosmos as well. Not only for just as a hedge, but there are some things out there that are kind of cool and, and unique that are outside of the whole Cosmos IBC realm of things. But um, yeah, MetaMask, it's crazy too because MetaMask has so much money. I remember when I went to um, the permissionless event in May, they had like this whole area. Uh, it's just all MetaMask. Like there was high end furniture and so many TVs and it was like, they're not doing bad. So like, they don't need to be doing all that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a big thing. And that's kind of what you, you have uh, on Ethereum. You have really, really large companies, right? It's uh, consensus is huge. And and they, they have a bunch of portfolio companies that usually use each other as well. And uh, that's kind of the, the, the downside there where you're the, you're the owner of one company, and since if MetaMask got served, then also Infura would get served at the same time. This is kind of interesting um, on, on how that whole thing works. But, yeah, I know you're 100% correct. I, I like IP addresses, there's no way around using those. Like, they're pretty important to the Internet protocol. But um, for you to, be, to reduce the need for you to collect IP addresses for, for, for something like that, I, I think that's, that's completely envisioned on, on how we think is, is we – we try to make sure that all of our users' data remains our users' data. And that's kind of um, our ethos as a company from, from that standpoint is uh, what we're looking to provide and we're looking to build here is an ability for you to have ownership on the internet through your data storage and, and have full custody of your files without an intermediary and it's completely peer-to-peer. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, good. let's let's reset the room, Aaron. Then we kind of go off, went off a little bit there. So, when uh, how how long do you anticipate testnet for storage to be kind of being tested on, so to speak? Yeah, so storage is being tested on right now. What we're going to be doing on Friday is is we're going to be doing a um, a run through with our validators as well. So, uh, assuming that we have no snags that 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 uh, that happen, which are entirely possible, that we can run into an issue. Um, and plus with, with, with kind of like the holiday season coming up and being fair to our guys, I, I think early January is, 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 is the, the conservative approach that, that we would do for, from a, a full transparency. I, I think targeting early January is more realistic, ensuring that we have enough time to actually test on the test net and make sure that everything is safe for everyone to use. So that, that's kind of where we are right now in the meantime for onboarding. Um, we have a bunch of enterprise uh, partners and we have a bunch of people that are looking to start to experience what it's like to build on Jackal and see what's possible on Jackal. So we're onboarding all those individuals to the testnet in the coming days as well. So they get to play around and try, try different integrations and, and what is possible, even if they just want to use it as a security backup or a disaster recovery um, space to store their data. That's kind of where we are right now is, is pre-mainnet, but also um having uh, an ability for them to onboard so they can hit the ground running early january yeah it makes sense 
I mean, that's um, right now on Cosmos. I don't, there's really no one else doing anything like this. So I'm, I'm excited for it because it seems like it's still right now. It's just in this space in general, not even just in Cosmos, but just as a whole. It's just all DeFi oriented, and and not that it's not needed, but I, I get personally on a personal side, I just get more excited for things that are non DeFi right now. So yeah, well, it's uh, it's we're we're happily an infrastructure company. Some people find it a little bit more boring, but we love it, and just the ability to create the the picks and shovels needed for um whether you're a protocol, like a complete L1 that want to become more sovereign and, and reduce the reliance on centralized choke points to failure, or you're just an end user that wants just really secure data storage to make sure that you can have a safe place to put your stuff. Um, we, we just love the ability to build infrastructure and we, we think it's really cool just at these really, really low level um, concepts and trying to make them work in Web3. We, we love it. And uh we're, we're excited to to be building in Cosmos as well. We're really aligned with the Cosmos ethos. Uh, we we love the Cosmos, the, uh, just the way that the the blockchains are built specifically. Right, it's the the modular thesis of the blockchain, the ability to have horizontal scalability versus vertical scalability, and the whole app chain thesis in general is is something that we're vision aligned in, and we're gladly able to build a purpose built blockchain. Um, without isolating ourselves in a walled garden, as we see with a lot of other protocols, they're they're kind of forced to do that if they don't want to build on an Ethereum or another um, layer zero. Do you happen to know like a, like any sort of statistic on how much data is being technically used in crypto for storage? Like I know there's like Filecoin, which is you know a lot, a, a lot different than what you guys are doing. But do you happen to know what their their numbers are of how much data is being stored? How much data is being stored um, across the board? I, I know that um, I know that Arweave has quite a bit. When you look at the market leaders, we have Filecoin, we have Arweave. Um, storage would be a third, but they're not really a DeFi product. Uh, they they have a token, but it, it's it's not really on chain or anything like that. Um, from unique amount of terabytes stored, I'm gonna have to pull that one up. I, I don't actually know completely how. So see if I can I can pull up how much data that they have stored exactly. Because I know that a lot of them, they, they promote how much capacity they have, but I don't know if they, uh, they publicly post how much storage they have. Yeah, I was just trying to think. Because I've been doing like a lot of, I don't want to say like intensive research, but on like cloud computing. And, you know, obviously that's one of like the fastest growing industries in Web2 is uh, cloud computing. And cl- like the need for cloud engineers and things like that. Obviously, there's a lot of pitfalls with Web2, so many central point of failures. And I was just thinking, even I, I just wanted to know, even if like crypto, like say hypothetically, Jackal could take just a sliver of that um, market share, how, how much that could potentially equate to? Yeah, well, there's kind of a, there's a, there's a little bit of a difference from um, cloud compute to cloud storage, right? And and Taking a sliver of that market, obviously, that, that's the end game that we're looking for is the end game. We want to have a an user experience that's easy enough for anyone to use while still getting the benefits of decentralized data storage, right? Um, when you look at cloud compute, that's other providers like a cache that are doing really, really cool things over there. But um, unfortunately, the the downfall of of the way that these systems are built is 
is if you wanted to have like both compute and storage on the same blockchain, it would be really difficult just because it's, it's too many different types of computer builds to incentivize and, and you only have so much tokens. So we're, we're really focused on data storage. But if you could pair Jackal with like an Akash, for example, you could create some really, really cool apps. Like uh, you could create a full dynamic website and everything um, if you could pair the two together uh, for your website hosting and good stuff like that. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, but like when you think about why is uh, why is data storage on blockchain better, and and why do we build here, and, and why do we want to do something like this? Because it's uh, it's an interesting concept, but at the end of the day, we truly believe that it's going to replace current cloud storage services, and we really want to be at the forefront of this disruptive market because there's specific areas that Web three data storage is a bajillion times better than, than centralized data storage solutions. And the areas that specifically is data integrity, number one, um, end-to-end encryption with security with private keys instead of emails, usernames, and passwords. Number two, cost is another big one. Number three, uh, data availability is is pretty, is 24 hours a day, seven days a week with no downtime by having geo-redundancy on a system like this. Uh, being permissionless is another big thing for integrations where anyone can, create an integration or create a new app or create a plugin um, with no centralized barriers there is, is interesting as well. So that's kind of why we want to build this because those specific touch points are, are, are the big, the big things where we really shine is, is, is how, how I would approach the, the question there. No, I mean, that makes sense. That's well detailed. So you're thinking, at some point in January, it should, everything should be kind of up and running when it comes to if, because uh, like I said, I I build a rig just for you guys to provide storage. So I'm looking forward to. It. Yeah, well, we we have a uh, onboarding session, so uh, we had one on Saturday where we had a bunch of storage providers online and, and try out their rigs and, and hook everything into the test net to just test the system. So if you want to do that. Um, just so everyone knows as well, if you have a storage provider and you're thinking of, of hooking into the Jackal network, um, we, we have a, a, um, a sub-channel in our Discord where you can go and uh, B will be there for you where we're going to be doing onboarding sessions where if you have any problems, you can ask live questions and uh, we can help you onboard plus display any, any cool, cool things such as round trips with data storage and creating deals and how all that good stuff works. Yeah, I I uh, see all that into a bit like um, a couple weeks ago. So I'm kind of upset. Now I can I should go on maybe when I get some time this week to just mess around. One hundred percent, man. Um, we would love to have you uh, as always because uh, just it's it's really cool seeing all all the different nodes set up. Do you remember like the early days of the internet when it was uh, there was Harvard had a node and then there was another node in another spot and a few universities had them. It's kind of how you feel right now when you're spinning up one of these networks as you start to see all the different nodes that pop up. And we had the same feeling with the validators too, where um, some of the validators actually have like a decentralization map where you can um, go and check all the different locations that they're all in to check uh, the decentralization score and all that good stuff. So there's, uh, it's, it's, it's a cool concept of, of creating like a community computer like this for everyone to use. Yeah, so anyone listening out there, if you're you're interested in it, uh, definitely worth it, especially for the fact that it's not graphic intensive or or PC. It's basically not CPU intensive or, or anything. So 
you kind of just do your thing and have it run in the background if you're on like a hard rig. Even at, at the beginning, I would assume just even for storage on an old rig, it would be completely fine. And then, you know, after time, you, you may have to upgrade or whatever. Like personally, I kind of went above and beyond. I have 12 terabytes and a, and a really fast computer built for it. But that's kind of just for future proof. And the way I look at computers, I've always kind of built computers and really been fascinated with computers is i always look at it like a good investment i mean i have a rig that i built pre-covid and it's a beast and i have it i just recently upgraded the ram and what's cool about building a computer is that you can just always chug and plug new parts into it if you if you want to upgrade any particular part it's like a vehicle you know like your something goes with your with your car you can just put a new part and it's kind of like the computer too and they're they last and I just look at it like a good investment. It literally can make you money. So, so who do you have? Do you have B helping? Because B actually helped me out get get it all set up a couple weeks ago. Can you hear me, Donnie? Can you hear me? Hey, how's it going, Hoss? It's it's Will here. I just got a uh, I just got a text from Donnie, and I think his uh, his phone died. So I think that's the nature <laughs> of the uh, of the silence there. But I think you should be uh, you should be back on in two seconds here. The, um, All right, cool. the ever um, the ever persistent issue of Twitter lacking a desktop version of um, of voices is is pretty annoying, eh? Yeah, it's so annoying because I honestly I don't use my cell phone for anything besides Twitter Spaces, and then if I leave the house, I obviously take it with me, but I r- rarely use it on the road or anything, so. It's frustrating that I have to sit here and, and hold a phone by my mouth. Well, <laughs> n- no, no kidding. Here I am sitting in my office, and my phone sits stagnant all day until we're on with Haas, and then and then I and then I bring the phone on. But um, but yeah, no. I think just to uh, just to play off um, sort of what what Patrick was saying there for a little bit. I think we're we're um, we're really excited to to get going with um especially the dashboard having people um g- giving people the option to sort of play around and see physically outside of just um some github repos all the hard work that the devs have been putting in over the past uh, you know better part of six weeks um i think i think it's going to be a really really awesome experience for everyone to see that firsthand um and yeah i think uh I think it'll be really exciting once we get more um, more of these storage providers up and running, um, and and really really you know getting this thing um, getting this thing going here uh, in the coming uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's exciting. A lot of things are being built in general right now during a bear market, but it seems like there's going to be a few things coming out here in the next couple of months, and I'm excited about it. And like I said before. Uh, I just personally, I just get excited for things that are non-DeFi. As much as I like DeFi, I still get a you know a new things coming out. I'm not going to be like ah, oh, it's that, but I just need I I just know how it is in real life too, and just in general, a lot of people don't care about finances, so it's nice to see things that are being built that just a random person can use and understand. So, because like I said earlier, I don't know how many people use Google Drives. I don't know the numbers, but I know I use it all the time, and it's going to be nice to have things that is encrypted and and yeah. I feel, feel more secure because a lot of times, you know, like even with my email, for example, I delete pretty much all my emails all the time because I just don't feel safe. You know, it's like, uh, even though I have like, it, I have like top of the line security on my computer, I still, it's just like, 
you know, I don't trust someone from Google. Maybe they just randomly decide to go in and just start reading my emails. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. You yeah, know? absolutely. And well, that I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the the uh, the article, Hoss, that came out the other day. But um, it looks like Apple's actually going to be pursuing end to end encryption with uh, some of their the cloud storage, some of their iCloud solutions um, to actually have. Um, pure um pure ownership authority for user data based on a said a said device so the only way your iCloud can be accessed is from your iPhone without you know no there's no cross device um accessibility which which provides that secure option but um that won't be available for um you know inter-app um, yeah. data storage and whatnot so oh there we go we have we have patrick back no you're 100 right um the the end-to-end encryption icloud thing is it, it it's really cool that that other companies are starting to wake up to the the, the fact that people should have security let's not say privacy at this point but let's say security for the end-to-end encryption side of things um but the the what they're using end-to-end -end encryption for is 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 not for it's for email calendars and contacts. This is what they have the the encryption files for. Um, if you want to share any information through email or anything like that, you you don't have end-to-end -end encryption. But it's cool for for stuff like your your photos that you don't share and things along those lines is is where. But it's a, it's definitely a step in the right direction for Apple. But um, there's other news recently that they're they're not really in the and then the best of light with the whole Coinbase side of things. I don't even know if I've seen that, if you want to care to share about the Coinbase. Yeah, so <laughs> essentially what happened is the Coinbase wallet, the iOS Coinbase wallet wasn't allowed. Um, it was The update wasn't allowed, and they were almost kicked off the, the app store for Apple tried to tax the gas fees on the Ethereum network, where it take the thirty percent cut by using um, their their on ramp essentially, and and having the ability to have an in app purchase is the way that they saw it. But it was kind of a lack of understanding of how the Ethereum network works, um, which is is kind of hilarious. But that's what that was, where they wanted to to tax gas transactions and take thirty percent of gas transactions on the Ethereum network. But even if Coinbase wanted to um, even if Coinbase wanted to um, comply with that, they don't have the ability to. So it's kind of an interesting request on Apple's side. Yeah, that's nuts. That just goes to show you how out of t uh, how to how to touch people are. Because you you know you would think you have all these people that obviously devote their life to technology, and they still don't even understand how things work in crypto. It's it's, it's bizarre, you know. It's just really bizarre. Yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting concept where they think they can do something like that. But uh, I I'll try to see if I could find the thread that Coinbase uh, published saying that like, hey, like we actually can't comply with this even if we wanted to. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes, yeah, sir. Um, yeah, is there, uh, if you guys have any other questions, anyone in the audience as well, if you have anything specific for us, feel free to come up and and ask. Yep. I forget what I was about to ask you. Something about uh, I'm brainless beat on Mondays. 
<laughs> the classic. Yeah, I know we were talking. This is totally off topic, but I'm definitely not going to that Steelers and Raiders game now. Was, I that game yesterday against the Ravens. Just I was like, no, nah, they don't deserve my money. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. <laughs> they hit the ball four times in a red zone. It didn't score any points. Like that's terrible. I know, dude. I know. It's like if it kicked, if it kicked one field goal out of this four tries, they would have won the game. <laughs> I don't know, man. The way they lose sometimes, it's like, are are we kidding? Are you serious right now? That's why I'm like, you know what? Not going to the game. I was going for sure, but not now. I just they don't deserve my money. No, I, I totally feel you on that. It's uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big. I actually know Will's a Patriots fan too, so I, I don't think any th- all three of our teams are struggling this year for sure. Yeah, it's expensive, you know. It's a good time, but it's a lot of money. It's like I'd rather just go get a hotel or do something fun with that money as opposed to going to a game that's meaningless now. So, yeah, well, I, think, I, I think I think when your team lets Baker come back from behind and beat you, I think that's the nail in the proverbial coffin for me. Uh, I know we, we we need to we need to get uh, with with his intact insurance with him. I, I think that that's the thing where he has the house in the arena. We should probably pick up Baker for Jackalads. He's probably pretty cheap right now. Yeah, that's that's definitely the that's at one up for my Steelers is watching Baker Mayfield drive 98 yards after he's just like basically got on the team like a day before the game started. No, <laughs> but when you, when you go through, when you go through Ticketmaster to purchase your ticket, I, I hope that they can secure your data on that side. There you go. Yeah. So I don't know, Patrick, for, for the people in the uh, audience, I wanted to share a few things that you said to me that I thought were really useful. The one website uh, that you gave me, I really took interest in it was the, uh, have I been pawned or what, what was that one website that you told me about? Oh, uh, the, the, that's a classic one. Have I been pwned? Um, pwned. I wonder, how do you tweet to, uh, how do you tweet to spaces? Let's see if I can do this. I'm, it's a learning experience for me. I'm not a big Twitter user. Here we go. Um, See if I can find it. I'll, I'll just tweet it out. But it's, it's haveibeenpwned.com. So basically what these services do, there's another great one called Dehash where you can actually read all the breach data. Um, I think it's a subscription though. Um, but the the thing what Jackal is trying to do just from cybersecurity-based principles is we're trying to reduce attack vectors, right? And what's an attack vector? It's ways that people can access your data. And right now they have email, username, and password are the, usually the three w- ways that people go to access um, your online services, which isn't very clear in the sense that all the online services share that those three attack vectors almost all the time, right? So the, the beauty about crypto is if you have a hardware wallet or you have really good security around your private keys, there's no way into your account other than getting your hands on that private key, which you can put in a safety deposit box, or you can just have really good security around that. Um, obviously, there's stories of people doing silly things, but that's user error. So that's not really on the company's fault, right? But uh, I just added the, the reply here. That, that's the website that we use where you can go in there, put your email in, and put your password in and see how many times that it, uh, it pops up in breach data sets. Because... Right now, there's 14 billion breach credentials, and this is back when kind of Will and I were working in uh, security and forensic side of things, where we were uh, trying to secure leaders of companies or, or executives um, and just kind of check if they have any breach data. And it was always a, it's always, you can also search 
entire corporations to another service called dehash.com and uh, and seal the breach data. But it's super important to just have good cybersecurity practices and digital hygiene is another way that you can you can look at it from from that side of things. But the ability to remove all of those attack vectors is, is super important and and that's kind of what another at the core ethos of why would we build something like this is you can build a better mousetrap from a cybersecurity perspective while reducing a lot of middlemen and a lot of attack vectors when using your data storage solution. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, I'm just looking at that web- website and actually there's a new one that popped up on one of my main emails. It's just ridiculous. Like, for example, I'm not saying this is me or not, but like like, like a car dealer or, or like a main car manufacturer. Some of the data that is compromises, this is it's scary to think of like this. Date of birth, driver's license, email addresses, name, phone numbers, physical addresses, social security numbers, and vehicle details. Like how intrusive is that? Like that's really that's really sad, you know. That that car manufacturer, each person it's, it was two point seven million email basically two point seven million addresses were um you know at at risk or whatever each 2.7 million of those should should literally receive like a hundred thousand dollars like that's how i look at it like if you're gonna use shitty shitty stuff and you get hacked or whatever then you should have to pay every single person that was on that list you know yeah like well that's the whole underlying like there's a really big fraudster movement uh, where it's it's these, these fraud it's there's pretty much these fraud groups that kind of run in these gray marketplaces where this data is breached, it's sold on the dark web or the gray web, and then it's kind of, they index, they kind of package it all together where they go and try to find other open source information to get enough data to steal your identity, basically, and access your bank account or, or uh, take out a new financial product, such as a credit card or stuff like that. And credit fraud's a huge thing. It's, it's uh, well, fraud in general has existed since the beginning of time, but, um, and we also, it's very rampant in crypto where, they prey on people that don't have as, as much of a uh, understanding or their bearings on, on how all this stuff works with uh, you. You'll look at your inbox and see all the different things, or you'll look at um, your discord inbox as well and, and see all these different fraudsters trying to get your private keys and stuff like that. But it, it's super dangerous and the ability to remove those attack vectors while still being able to um, give person control over their data. It, it's, Public-private key uh, encryption and technology there, combined with ledger technology from um, peer-to-peer protocols, it, it creates a very, very powerful product and, and a powerful primitive for uh, what we think is really important for the next uh, the next bull run in crypto. Really, is just I think that's the next step up is is creating more resilient infrastructure. At the end of the day, yeah, hundred percent. What's crazy too, I'm just looking. I didn't even realize it must have just happened because it says in December 2022, Coin Tracker, which is the like NF, it's like that basically tax service. I don't know if you've ever heard of Coin Tracker. No, I haven't heard of it. So Coin Tracker is like one of those uh, you can put in, I guess, your address, and it'll like do all. It, it basically f- scans all the blockchains for um, the, all the transactions for tax purposes or whatever, but. You'd think they would know better. Anyhow, it says the company attributed the breach to a compromise in one of their service providers and impacted data. But I mean, it was only limited to email addresses and partial redacted phone numbers. But still, it's like you're in crypto or you're a crypto company and you would think you would know better or use like what you guys have going on. I feel like everyone that's working in this space should know better. Like they shouldn't be compromised. 
Well, if you have to, if you have to, the, 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 well, the base principle, if you only want to use decentralized products is you have to be able to sign in with your wallet and only your wallet, right? Um, if they offer another solution, that's great as well. But if they get a data breach, uh, they'll be likely leaking um, at least the email address unless they encrypt that as well. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the ability to have reduced the attack, those, those three attack vectors and really only have wallets is, it's pretty powerful from my point of view and a good litmus test if you're using a product uh, something happened to OpenSea uh, a while ago as well where they had their big data breach where a, an email marketing partner so they they you can subscribe to OpenSea's um, mailing list or, or newsletter or something along those lines and they use a third-party partner to um, to provide that that newsletter that third-party partner gets hit all of those users get their username password emails um or, or even just emails breached on the open internet then what can happen is someone can come along grab that email associated with that data breach with the likelihood that they're already in crypto and um that kind of reduces the um the attack surface to very specific websites and, and stuff that they can test there and and know that they probably use a centralized exchange to to get into crypto as well and uh, try to figure out other credentials and and steal your digital identity. Basically, is how they they'll go about that. Yeah, for people out there listening, it kind of turned into security uh, call here. But basically, I personally probably wouldn't even do any of those uh, subscriptions, like whatever you want to call them, mail subscriptions. And if you do, just have like a bootleg email address that you don't even like use. Just have like an email specifically only for like coupons and deals and like email notifications or whatever not like your actual personal email because i know a lot of people you know they'll have their first dot last name or first last name or whatever it's like their their actual name and they say like at gmail or whatever i would highly recommend not to use anything for that except for like literally emails that you need don't be signing up for stuff with it you know if you're going to do that i would just highly recommend just create like another email address that specifically only for that not like actual personal emails and stuff yeah well you're 100 right but back when we were working on cybersecurity stuff uh before the whole geo thing the the biggest issues where is where you take your business email and then you sign up for a service was a big one where um you use your business email to get a room at an mgm resort and mgm gets hit and your credit card and your passwords are all are all leaked, which becomes a threat to the business specifically. The other thing is is um, e password recycling was was a big issue where everyone has their special word that that they use and they they add like different numbers at the end and stuff like that sometimes, or they add an exclamation mark or something like that. But um, recycling of passwords is super dangerous because if you get hit on one platform, that means that they have your password for all other platforms you use it on. So things like Bitwarden are great. Where it's just kind of like a, um, it, it's a offline password manager where um, it's, it's a great use case. Uh, LastPass, I think that she got hit with a data breach actually, but all the passwords were encrypted. So they were doing, at least using their, their own service, I would hope. But um, password managers are great. Um, also just general digital hygiene where you change your emails and, and don't use emails for business uh, for signing up for stuff and other personal use cases. It's another big one. I'm looking at these numbers for the, from the uh, MGM. Was that like the biggest data breach ever? Um, what, we, we we didn't sleep for a few weeks when that one <laughs> when that one came out because it was it was really vast, right? So 
from the MGM breach, if you were an individual associated with that, you had enough just from one data breach to steal their identity. Usually from a data breach, you'll get like maybe an email or maybe an email and a first name. And then you have to go to, um, you have to kind of, um, I want to say triangulate other different assets to try to steal the identity. But with the MGM one, it was just, it was a pretty vast data breach. We had credit card numbers and names, emails, uh, a lot of stuff just right out of the gate. Yeah, it's insane. It says 142 million um, records have been discovered for sale on a dark web marketplace in the mid-2020. That's insane. That's a lot of people. 142 million from MGM Resorts. Yeah. No, it's it's, uh, it's pretty crazy, man. <laughs> it's it's uh, there, There's some stuff where, like, in Canada in 2019, I think the number was – is individuals like this is just people like you and me they lost 43 million dollars in cybercrime just from um um getting their identity stolen or getting um, bamboozled into giving money away to people and stuff like that um i i think between 2016 and 2020 the fbi in the united states reported 13 billion dollars in cybercrime losses it, it's it's pretty it's a real serious issue but at the same time you're seeing things like um like law firms aren't even using like end-to-end encryption or people not encrypting files so there's this big knowledge gap between where we need to be as a society if we want to continue to go down this path of having a more and more digital the digital life being more and more entangled with your personal life your cybersecurity practices has to come up with that as well and if you don't meet meet that threshold of, of having enough security to protect the amount of, uh, pr- of protection relative to the amount that you're using the internet. It gets really dangerous. And this is where we're seeing all these issues, particularly in COVID, where we had this really fast acceleration into work from home. Everything's online. Now we're all using all these SaaS products really quickly. Every business had to transform super quickly, even if they weren't a digital business before they are now. But they didn't have the security posture that they're used to uh, a good example was when we were doing a, we were doing work on a big business that had to have everyone work from home. What they don't think about is they're taking their work devices from a protected secure environment, um, hopefully at, at the office. And they're taking that and they're bringing it to their home environment where you have your kids around the same network as you, your spouse or partners on the same network as you. And, uh, they're not updating the firmware on their router. I, most people don't even know you could update a router, but uh, it's, it's we, we need the ability for us to make leaps and bounds in security postures and the ability to protect your data and have ownership of data and privacy around data uh, if we're going to continue to go down this road where we're going to have um, neural links in our brains and stuff like that, uh, or uh, even just um, brain interfaces with anything it's just pretty crazy we'll, we'll put our tinfoil hats away for a second though yeah it's insane do you have you ever used uh yubikeys before i've used yubikeys for sure do you, um, like, do you like it i think yubikeys are great it's just another step of, of of having hardware it's very similar to having your private keys in a ledger it's the same concept right and that's kind of how we're using our ledgers as that access credentials into your your um you're using it, uh, sorry, into Jackal, for example, or pretty much all crypto apps if you log in with Kepler. It's just having the ability to have this hardware that helps your security just adds another layer of, uh, of security on top. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I recommend them. I mean, I think like the one of the most expensive ones is eighty eighty five USD. It's totally worth it if people are out there want to be more secure, especially if primarily you are using your computer for crypto or you have a lot of like private data or whatever. I mean, just in general on your phone, definitely, definitely something to to look into for sure. Have you heard about the Flipper Zero? No, I haven't. Let me see if I can find this and, and post it in. The Flipper Zero is an all-time, um, it's this new hacking product, basically, where it's, uh, you, it, it emulates different RF, um, it em, emulates pretty much everything from, um, like, tap on your, on your cards. I think it's FRFID, if I remember correctly. But uh, it's this all-in-one hacking tool where you can kind of spoof different things and, uh, it really makes us see how poor of a security posture certain things have. I'll try to see if I can get a good video of it being used, and I'll, I'll post it in the uh, in the chat here. But it's a uh, it's, it's it's a laughably funny tool. Yeah, I just found it. I I found something on Kickstarter.com. It has like a dolphin on it. Yeah, that's it. It looks like a Tamagotchi, but it it's a really intense hacking tool. <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah, yeah it's man. pretty nuts. It's uh, yeah, I have to look into this. So for people out there, uh, yeah, I I mean I know a lot of people don't know about updating your router. That's really important. And also, like I think most places nowadays probably have a hard password to figure out. But I I know back in the day passwords were super simple and or you created one and it was so easy and you don't want that because people can get into your network and then once you're there in your network you're pretty much going to be screwed yeah well using services like bitwarden um it's just a password manager they have a chromium plugin so you can kind of use it just like a kepler wallet um things like that are super important because it auto generate you a password and you just have to remember one password it makes your life a lot easier um to log into your Bitwarden, obviously you have to have really high security around that specific master key password, but it'll automate and generate new passwords for you to use those for the services. And if your password's so secure that you don't even know what it is, usually that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, people listen, I don't know any of my passwords. I only know my main password. And for that, if you're gonna do that, your main password, I would highly suggest creating like a sentence, maybe with some numbers and some symbols. No one's ever gonna guess that. Now, if you just put like a name and your favorite place and a number, someone may get that. But if you use your main password, even when you log into your like your Windows or whatever, it should be like a sentence, some numbers, some some symbols, something that you'll remember. But it's like impossible to guess, basically. Yeah, well, just if you take the human error out of it and just get a get a good password manager, I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, I use a password manager, but you still, you have to know one password to get into your password manager. Yes, no, you're 100% right. Yeah, so that's what I mean. For that one particular password, just make it something like a sentence that yeah. you know people won't know. They're not going to know it. And with some numbers or symbols or both or whatever. And, and just treat that as your like your private keys, basically, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's the same concept. Anyways, if anyone has any questions, uh, feel free to come up. Uh, I'm open book right now for uh, for anyone but uh if not we can just keep on bantering away yeah man yeah but it's uh it's since i got into crypto during covid i've been learning how to do like python and some other stuff and 
security is just so important because you have to stay ahead of the curve because as more and more as more and more data gets into blockchain it's going to be more and more leeches and people trying to take advantage of people and you know obviously not your keys not your crypto but you even even saying that you want to make the things that your device is really secure like your internet your computer your your, your cell phones just the more the more the merrier i mean you must have to be kind of um uh, I don't know what you want to say. You want to be like a nervous Nelly, so to speak. You really want you don't you don't want to be messing around, man. Like the, I, it's crazy. I remember not too long ago, one of my college buddies, he was just getting the crypto, and he he was like about to send me over his seed phrase and stuff. I'm like, dude, you don't send that to anyone, and no. and, and just his passwords. He's like, oh, I use the same password for like everything. I'm like, dude, that's just the worst. Yeah, that's, that's the worst that's, idea. That's that's bananas. But just just on top of that, portion, like not your keys, not your crypto. Um, I think this is kind of a big moment with all the FTX stuff going on, Celsius and Gemini uh, land and all that good stuff. Um. I, I truly believe that Web3 should start relying on more de- more infrastructure that's in line with the values of, of what I think Web3 is. Is, is. When I look at Web3, it's like, what, what do we value, right? It's decentralization is a big one. Sovereignty is another big one if you're in Cosmos. Censorship resistance, security, privacy, availability. Um, having a good builder experience is another big one that we've noticed recently for builders. Um, Right now, if you look at all of Web3, the majority of the data that's stored in Web3 from, or even cloud compute, everyone's still running on AWS, even if they're pending to IPFS through like Infura. It's everyone's running on AWS or they're running on uh, Google Cloud or Microsoft Azure. It's, it's the same parties. And if you look at decentralization maps of even validators, a lot of them are using those services as well. So I, I think it's, it's going to be a big, uh, a big moment in this next for the rest of the bear market and the next bull market is, is we think that a big, a big point of pressure that, that reason why we're building our product is, is actual infrastructure. Cause I think we jumped a little bit too forward in where the technology is right now. And I think we have to kind of go back to building. Um, unfortunately, like some people might think it's boring, but the boring stuff too, so we can catch up with the demand that we're seeing in the space. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, I forget who I, I actually. It's funny. I was having a conversation with someone not too long about exactly that same point of view. That we kind of jumped the gun. We're building things that are, are like really cool ideas and stuff, but there's the infrastructure is not there. For example, like metaverse. Everyone was so hyped up on the metaverse, and I think yeah, metaverse can be really something, but it's just not infrastructurally. There's one. There's pretty much not enough computational power on the planet for it to be completely decentralized. There's always going to be that central point of failure or people have to use AWS or whatever. But um, even having said that, even with like different products, financial products or whatever sort of, of of idea someone has, we kind of built, we we jumped the gun. And like you said, I totally agree. We need to build out all the, if you want to use, we, we need the roads, you know, we need the, we need the um, roads to be there before you can just build all these buildings everywhere. You have to have the railways to get there. And we're you're, not there yet. You're 100% right. Right. So it's people jump the gun for fight. Like the, the trade-off was I'll lose the simplicity and the decentralization of what I'm building for the financial gain. And, and that was the trade-off that you had when you have all this competition. If everyone's building NFT marketplaces, 
do you really want to build a truly decentralized NFT marketplace while the data is stored in a decentralized manner and all the RPC endpoints are, are decentralized somehow and stuff along those lines um, while still being able to compete with the other NFT marketplaces that are popping up? Same thing goes for, um, for when you look at DEXs or, or other stuff like that is you can, everyone has the ability right now in this bear market to go and build the same service that you're building in a more decentralized manner in a more secure manner with a higher privacy posture and censorship resistance and uptime and things like that. But it takes 10 times more work. Right. So it's, we, I think that it's really important for us to, I think Sergey uh, from Axelar bridges, another thing, right. Bridges were way too early. <laughs> There's multi-sigs that were being managed by just one per like, it was it was nuts. The the whole bridges were getting exploited like crazy um, during the last bull market. It's it's time for maybe a year for us to consolidate, actually start to build the infrastructure needed for people to build awesome products on top. And uh, it's, it takes some time. It's just boring cryptography at the end of the day, and it takes uh, it takes a lot of work to start to build these things up. And there's not much of a financial gain from. Um, for incentive for like NFT marketplaces, example, or DEXs to go back and do stuff like that. But some do. And the ones that do, I think are going to be better in perpetuity. For sure. So I just seen in the comment, we have uh, at Black Jack Sparrow asked, what lessons have you all learned from the original rollout that is secret airdrop product delays, any, any particular FUD, et cetera? Yeah. What did we learn? Uh, we learned a ton, right? Uh, we learned... The big thing for us is we didn't realize the the current state of a lot of the documentation we were working on, and we didn't know about a lot of competing standards in Cosmos. So going back, uh, something that we learned is is we really need to get better lines of communication with different stakeholders in the Cosmos ecosystem, first and foremost. Um, luckily, since all this has... has has occurred. We have really great lines of communication with some great builders. Uh, Jack, for example, is one. Um, we, we also have a good line of communication uh, with the guys over at Notional as well and Jacob. Um, that's a big one, right, is, is the documentation. So if you want to kind of see what have we done since the chain came down and the issues that occurred, what happened is, is at the bare bones, when you look at the first line of the Cosmos documentation, um, it's changed since, but it, it said a Cosmos blockchain should be built and maintained with the Ignite command line interface. Uh, so the Ignite CLI. And this is something that we use pretty much day one when we started building the Jocko protocol. The Ignite CLI is a competing standard with the Cosmos SDK, uh, which is one uh, and another tool used for building blockchains. And there's also kind of an osmosis fork of, of the Cosmos SDK as well, which is kind of a third competing standard in Cosmos. The Ignite CLI had vulnerabilities that we weren't aware of, but some people that were working on the Dragonberry patch were aware of, such as Jacob. And if we wanted to do the right thing and remove Ignite CLI from our protocol, we would have to do it. Um, it, 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 it was going to be a grueling process. So we had to kind of roll up the sleeves and get that done. So the Ignite CLI was in, intertangled with pretty much all seven of our blockchain modules. So in the last month and a half, we built the entire chain again uh, without Ignite. Obviously, we got to speed run it a little bit because we have all the, all the meat and potatoes. It's, it's just trying to swap uh, Ignite out for something else, uh, which is a Cosmos SDK. So... 
that's kind of what happened. What did we learn from that? Um, we shouldn't have jumped the gun on, on, on launching the protocol without kind of speaking to a, someone from Cosmos. Uh, Jacob would be a good example. There's all kinds of other big builders out there that would be a good example that we could have leaned on and asked questions. Um, I, I think looking back, for new people coming into the ecosystem, we might write a blog post or something about this because I think it would be helpful because there's a lot of pitfalls that are in plain sight for some people, but not for people that haven't been here for years. So I, I think having a good point of communication, a, a good way for you to access uh, lines of communication with other builders, if you have um, just to even just pick their brain or use them as a sounding board, that would be super helpful. Outside of that, um, secret airdrop. Secret airdrop stuff was largely out of our control. Um, there was an update on the secret network where uh, it kind of broke the ability for you to bring a um, a node back up. Um, I think it might still be broken. It might have been fixed. But the, the issue there is we weren't able to do the airdrop with the secret network due to that, that onboarding experience for the people who want to spin up a node, basically. Um, so we had to lean on third parties to use their nodes to access the data. Uh, a few of them actually borked like three machines <laughs> in the process of trying to get this snapshot. And then um, we were able to get it from a third individual that had a, um, an archive node. But uh, with, with the secret network airdrop, um, if I, I'm being completely honest, lo looking at, at the way the airdrops work for the, the health of the protocol, I, I don't know if, if air, this might be like a really hot topic, but I don't know if airdrops are good things. I, I, it's, it's interesting. Looking back, we have to do a lot more reflecting on how that works, but I, I like the concept of, of the decentralization factor of it, getting all the tokens out there. If anyone wants to roll up to Jackal and just start using it day one, that's the other benefit is you don't have to, you don't have to invest first before trying to use the protocol. I think that's super important. But um, Outside of that, the, the, the secret network airdrop was, was largely out of our control. And now what we're doing is we have to build like an entire interface now instead of the airdrop just arriving in your wallets, you have to go and claim it. Um, so a, a lot of that stuff was we just had to build it out and it takes time and it's really unfortunate and it's really frustrating for a lot of people, but that, that's what we have to do for you to be able to claim that airdrop. And as soon as the dashboard launches on day one, it'll be there for you guys to claim. But yeah, it was well said. But yeah, there definitely needs to be a better line of communication uh, for people that are going to come in and build. I know everyone's very helpful, but obviously everyone's so busy. So it's, it is tough to, I mean, I even have that challenge. Luckily, I've been fortunate enough to essentially speak with most, if not all, teams that already deployed in Cosmos or, you know, going to be in the near here future. But it is hard. I, I do realize that even, you know, there's a different time barriers. Everyone's all over the world. Not only that, um, they all have stuff going on. Like you, you mentioned Jack and, and Jacob, like, you know, they, they, they're doing so many different things. They're not even just working on one project. They're working on a bunch of things. So, you know, it's tough to get someone that's been like an OG that's really reliable. That's, you know, has years of experience with everything that can actually have the time to kind of do it you know not that they wouldn't want to do it because they're all very helpful everyone in this um you know eco is very helpful and that's one of the many reasons that i really you know like cosmos how communitarian it is and also from the top down people are very helpful but 
you know, basically it is tough because like you're saying, it's not a one shoe fits all. And that's one of the positives about Cosmos is it is modular and you can kind of plug and chug and you can alter the, the code to your liking, but it's not as easy as, Hey, like you just put the, put these lines of code in and then you're up and running, especially for different use cases. And there hasn't been a, a storage provider use case yet for, for Cosmos. You guys are the first one. So. Well, you, you, it's Cosmos is kind of like that, and there's also these underlying um, like we build a, a storage system, so we don't really have uh, a direct competitor in Cosmos per, per se. Um, but there's there's a lot of like kind of like these these um, fault lines in Cosmos, and there's this this decentralized governance thing, and and all the different other protocols that have different issues that pop up every single day, and there's this. Open source versus closed source thing going on right now. That's that's pretty pretty fun to watch from the sidelines. But at the end of the day, I think the onboarding experience into Cosmos um, needs help. And I think the there's there's a bunch of um, also competing foundations as well of how people are onboarded into the ecosystem and and um, and, and stuff along those lines. I I think obviously we we. We think that the Jacob has been awesome to, to us after kind of finally speaking to him and getting to understand him. I, I like Jacob a lot. It's uh, his methods may be unorthodox at times, but he, at the end of the day, he's just a, a good builder that just wants the best for the community at the end of the day. And uh, we applaud him for that. But I, I think Cosmos has a lot to learn from, I guess, just good communication. And, and the communication in the Cosmos right now is really difficult for onboarding teams to understand. Uh, what's safe? What isn't safe? What should we use? What competing? Um, what competing? I guess standards should we use for for building the blockchain? Um, even things as simple as that, we don't have consensus, which is very difficult for onboarding teams. And I think it would be great to have a foundation or have a uh, a, a group of people that are on just a full onboarding process. It can't be that difficult. Every other ecosystem has it. Yeah, man, that's well said. Definitely, definitely need to. You know, it's still early, obviously. I say it all the time, but even on that aspect, it's early when it comes to navigating the water, so to speak, for some new team to come in. And then, you know, I see it in general. If you have any different point of view, then it sometimes it gets a little bit toxic and back and forth and people, you know, you're never going to stop that. But it seems it just seems not productive a lot of times when people uh, the first thing they want to do is just attack. It seems like instead of saying, Hey, maybe they just don't know, or maybe they're confused. Let me help out. And before I, you know, you start a shit storm or whatever. So, yeah, uh, well, it's, it's, I, there's, there's this kind of intrinsic value of outing people on Twitter because it comes with um, the ability to engagement farm first and foremost. Plus it gives you like this social credits, for either whether it's delegations or, or whether it's my protocol is better than your protocol. It's an interesting concept. Um, I think it's going to take a lot of time and I don't think it's ever going to be fixed. And I think that it might be a feature, not a bug, right? That's <laughs> another another concept. But uh, I, I guess the, the one piece that for any onboarding Cosmos team, I think everyone needs a Cosmos lore advisor uh, <laughs> because navigating this ecosystem and learning who all the players are and, and how these really complex relationships work is, is pretty interesting. And uh, I think every, every team needs help in navigating that in Cosmos for sure. So if anyone's looking for a job, we're looking for a lore advisor right now. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I know a lot of times um, some teams I've helped kind of navigate the waters initially and get them to the right places or whatever, because 
it's kind of just been one of my hobbies in general is just trying to get people to the right spots and then they you know they take it from there you know whether the project's going to be good or not i have nothing to say about that but yeah it, it, it there's a lot of um it, you know it's just human nature there's a lot of politics involved uh with, with certain things and you have to come off as the right way and and i personally don't get involved with the whole bad mouthing people like if i just don't like something i'm just not going to use it or just that's it like i'm not going to sit there like my this this protocol is better than this protocol and like i don't agree like i just don't have time for that some people do and like you were saying i think a lot of it's for, for clickbait and and um i don't know i just don't find at the end of the day whenever you're being super toxic or negative about things i just never really truly find that to be a a positive outcome for the greater good so to speak i'm not saying you should always just uh, go with the flow or like if something is wrong then yeah you're in your right to say it's wrong and this is why it's wrong but even that it should just turn into like that and not just like per like there's just too many personal attacks and i guess it's human nature and we're in the bear market so you're gonna you're gonna get that from people but i just Another thing is, is all the DMs are open anyway, so you can always go ask them directly. And if they give you an answer there that you don't like, then you can go public with it if you really think it's dangerous, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Like there's all there's a lot of lack of context. The other thing that that uh, is interesting is is some of the things that are that are said just being blatantly not true is is an, is an issue as well. Where we've had people that are saying that uh, like Jackal is like a pump and dump scheme or things things like that. Obviously, it's it's super frustrating for us because how, how do you prove something like that right um, we can show that we have a multi-sig we can show that we've never sold any tokens uh, we can prove that we have 18 months of runway in cash before you have to think about something like that we'll raise before we do that anyways but um, stuff like that is it's it's super dangerous and it's super toxic at the end of the day um, but it, it is what it is at the end of the day it's, it's all it's all business i guess right yeah exactly and then like one thing in particular we'll just go off of that tidbit into this is like people they voice their opinions as like a narcissistic view when it comes to like even let's just use like a tokenomic structure it's like the shoe doesn't always fit the same way for a particular team like maybe they have maybe they have no inflation maybe they have a lot like it's it's hard to say it's not that there's a some sort certain model that is a guarantee to work you know everyone has a different outlook or determination of what they're trying to accomplish and i think in general teams that are building their own particular l1s and cosmos for the most part from my experience and just my study it's not that it can't become a rug pull but it's a lot less likely because there's a lot of infrastructure that has to be determined before you can do something like that it's not like it's just real cheap to say hey let me start up a blockchain have all these validators and then kind of go from there you know like again it's not a guarantee, but it's less likely than other ecosystems that are just building something on top of a chain. And I mean, yeah, that's Cosmos. You can build on chains, too. So it's not like that can't happen. But um, I just think like I see some of these people out here in, in our space and like the first thing they want to do is just, they come off as like a narcissist. And then they don't like you're saying, the DMs are always open. So ask. And, and then if something comes off the wrong way than that, then, yeah, then go public. But. It just seems like, you know, certain, some people just automatically, like, stay away from this, this, and this. And then it's just like, it's it's nuts, man. Like, it's just crazy. Or, like, if a particular, um, you know, a validator is going to validate on this chain, then then undelegate to all any chain that they're involved with. It's like, 
Uh, it's, it's too much for me. Well, you have to kind of also look through it at this lens, right? So in, right now, like we run Jacko Labs, we run three validators on three different chains. We have a secret network, we have a cache, and we have Evmos, right? Um, compared, because this is this is the first bear market we've been a validator in, and uh, validators are just not profitable right now. Let's just be blunt about it. Like the the what you're able to make in the bull market, it's almost like winning the lottery compared to now. So you have a lot of validators that are really fighting for delegations right now. So it makes sense to do something like that uh, from a business standpoint is, is people start to get a little bit more and more desperate in, in bear markets. It, it's, it's just the, the, the way it is from my point of view. Um, other things along the lines is you, you said earlier about kind of cap tables and how that stuff works. It, it's, it's hard, right? So everything is kind of different, right? And uh, like when you go to build a blockchain, like our blockchain, for example, uh, to build a product like this in Cosmos, it, it takes us a year of R&D before we even have a product on market. Right? You have to research the encryption technology. You have to research how is sharing going to work? Is it proxy re-encryption? Is it like this uh, like address generation where you take public keys and private keys signed to create new keys? It, it's the amount of R&D that goes into each protocol is a little bit different, right? Like anyone tomorrow, like... It's and, and venture also knows that, right? It's super expensive to do R and D, but uh, you'll notice that a, lo a lot of teams will take the path of least resistance to the most amount of money possible, and it makes sense to do so, right? So you can create another like layer one Cosmos smart contract blockchain for builders. Like we have two of those now, and and how much R and D did it take Archway to be a differentiation from Juno, for example? Right, so they they have to put R and D into the thought of having this gas module that um, builders get fees for something like that, and it takes time to build things like that, and it's it takes money to build things like that. So, cap shape cap tables are going to change in the bear market too. It's luckily we raised um, back before like the whole Terra Luna collapse. So I'm curious to see what these cap tables are going to be like because I think it's going to be a shock to a lot of uh, community members of, of the big differences now. Yeah, I mean, the, at the end of the day, kind of going on that, I mean, these teams that are building these things like Jackal, each one of those part, people that are building has, you know, m maybe they're younger, they don't have a family yet, but at the end of the day, everyone has bills and life isn't cheap. So it's 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 a tough balance. And uh, yeah, the, only the strong will survive. And I just, uh, as as tough as it is, it's like, I, I get it. You, I've, you know, I've been a competitor my whole life with athletics and stuff like that, but I still think there's needs to be some sort of um, fine line that people walk on and just, I get it. It's competitive and especially validators. Yes. You're completely true. Even, even in the bowl, uh, you know, the, the guys at the bottom, I mean, they probably weren't really making too much. And then um, right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is tough. So it's just, uh, I don't know. Cause it turns people off, you know, like maybe someone new's coming into the space because they have some free time from Christmas or whatever. And it's just like, you come into Cosmos and it just seems like since the, the bear market, not everyone, but a lot of people that are respected in this space are doing, you know, things for this, our ecosystem. They just kind of been, um, not, hold, not holding it down the right way, in my opinion, you know, so stuff. Yeah, it's it's at the end of the day, it's a hyper competitive space. Uh, it's it, it it is what it is. Like, just everyone's doing what they can to survive right now. Um, let, some people are, are a lot better funded than others. It, it's it's sad reality the way it is right now. But um, hopefully, 
um, this turns around sooner than later, but at the end of the day, we have 18 months right now um, from today in cash to, to build up this protocol and we're going to do so. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone else, if you have any questions or comments before we wrap it up, you know, now's your chance. You can raise your hand, you can DM uh, or comment in the uh, chat or whatever, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been an engaging conversation. I appreciate, you know, your conversation with me so far and, it's nice to see, like I said, I'm all, I always get excited for things that aren't DeFi because like, like you were saying earlier, I completely agree with that stance is we kind of jumped the gun on uh, building all these different things out without truly having all of the infrastructure there. So, you know, it takes things like Jackal and others to keep laying that foundation down. No, you're right, man. It's uh, we, we, we saw that with bridging technology. We saw that with a lot of different things where, um, the hyper competitiveness also people make trade off in, in, in some places and it's is is this protocol in, in line with the values that we we all share and that's for each individual and uh, to decide that i guess right at the end of the day it's from my point of view what do we build jackal like what are the core values of jackal like is decentralization sovereignty censorship resistance security privacy and just having a great builder experience at the end of the day um, some people have different values and that's we build infrastructure to ensure that that other protocols can leverage ours and uh, luckily since we're in cosmos we have ibc so it gets pretty crazy when you start to think about uh, there's not many use cases for ibc contracts right now um, some guys are playing with it juno's playing with it a little bit uh, i also know that window is playing with it a little bit as well those those things are, are that's infrastructure use cases there's not really a finance use case to interchain contracts like that right now and uh, we're kind of one of the, the first to really be excited to use a concept like that where you can have data ownership on another chain where smart contracts can have their own storage accounts and you can have petabytes of data moving on chain permissionlessly. That's what we're really excited for right now. Yeah, a lot of people don't think about that, but that's really important because then you can build use cases from that. To, and it doesn't have to be DeFi. It could be anything. It could just, you know, it could be a game. It could be, I don't know. Like people talk about the metaverse. I feel like, if anyone's going to nail that and do a really good job at it, why would it be Cosmos? You know, because all these, all, all of IBC is connected. So, you know, there's got to be a way. Because um, I, I don't, I don't see like a monolithic approach being the the right approach. Like, why wouldn't there just be a specific app chain that's devoted nothing more than just like metaverse? Yeah, well, that's that's it's about the ethos, right? And I'm I'm aligned with you on that. Where I think that every application should be its own blockchain if it scales enough. It's that's uh, end game for me is everything slowly becomes its own its own protocol and uh, that's just horizontal scalability in a nutshell. That's why gas fees are were super expensive on Ethereum. Even like last weekend, it got up to uh, one of my guys was saying twenty dollars. He might have been lying, but uh, uh, they it's horizontal scalability versus vertical scalability. And I'll take horizontal uh, every day of the week if that's an option for us. Plus, interchain security, interchain accounts, the ability to have a smart contract on on Juno or smart contract on Archway have a Jackal storage um, account where you have access to data that you only have access to through encryption of your own and leveraging the own keys of that contract or your web browser based private keys or hardware wallet private keys depending on your personal security level. It, it gets really exciting with what you're able to do with um, petabytes of data moving on chain because right now. Uh, well, if you look at the infrastructure that we have, if you want a truly "quote unquote" decentralized protocol, uh, you can at scale you can really only fit one kilobyte of data in a smart contract. 
before you have to start thinking about data storage options that are off chain. And uh, what we're trying to do is build a chain that's dedicated to having a decentralized storage network and, and having other chains and other apps built on us or built on other chains leverage that, or even Web2 companies come on and just leverage it for the, um, they might want a custodial experience that someone may offer that's building on top of us, but they might be looking to use Jackal for data integrity or um, the ability to have ownership of that or the ability to have really secure peer-to-peer transfer of data. And that's kind of where we're going. Yeah, when you were saying that, I just thought of like Oracle. Most Oracles, don't they, keep every, they all keep everything off chain. Yeah. So it's like, why wouldn't you just use Jackal? Yeah, I think yeah, you just unlocked some alpha haws. Uh, so we, we actually built an Oracle module um, as, as well today. Oracle's other great use case. So we've been talking with a, a bunch of different protocols. Uh, we, we've spoken briefly with DClimate, for example, is a really good one. But anyone that's using an Oracle, they have a ton of data storage, and we would love to have them on our protocol. And they would love to use decentralized protocol because if they're in Web3 and providing a Web3 product, they're usually pretty vision-aligned. Uh, with us on the whole sovereignty and decentralization standpoint. And then on top of that, the, the reason they use AWS is because they can't use anything else. Uh, ARWeave isn't really scalable uh, in the sense that it's good for permanence, great for libraries, great for archives, but it's not great for um, scalable speed where every transaction costs like $6 or, or every transaction costs $8 on, on there. Uh, Filecoin, awesome, awesome, awesome product. Uh, a lot of Filecoin's builds and the Jackal build as well. But when you look at Filecoin, it takes like 24 hours to get your files back sometimes. And that's just not acceptable unless you're looking for like a cold storage archive. Um, Saya, really, really awesome. Same kind of issue uh, where you see it's like three fish encryption, which is kind of interesting. And then you also layer on another aspect that's a proof of work blockchain. And we're actually the only proof of stake blockchain data storage network right now which is uh, is pretty interesting from from our research at least yeah it's going to be huge i think people don't really realize how big that's going to be because like there's you know everyone talks about all these oracles and they're much needed and i always look at oracles as like a translator especially from web 2 data to web 3 uh, so it's much needed obviously but then it's like where do they store and all that data you know and it's yeah well, it's perfect for them, for them to have the performance that they really want to provide it has to be an aws solution and that's just the reality of the situation because we don't have the infrastructure yet for the same user experience that you would experience with an AWS or a Google Cloud. And uh, as we continue to build Jackal, that's where we're striving to be is, is can we build a scalable model? And we have a, we truly believe we have a competitive advantage by building as a Cosmos modular blockchain because we can, it's like a car, right? We can just remove parts on the fly and just jam on new parts because everything's a, it's a modular blockchain at the end of the day. If you wanted to do that, for example, uh, Filecoin is is built. Um, uh, it's, it's Filecoin is like ERC twenty standard. Uh, if if they're built as EVMs, they're unlocking EVMs very soon. Um, they're still reliant on the Ethereum's protocol at the end of the day, right? So the underlying infrastructure all has to change for them to get a speed boost, or they want to add a new feature. They they're kind of constricted to the smart contract layer, and they can't really change the protocol in itself. So we're excited to be building here. We're excited to have really granular control over very specific parts of the chain, and we're really happy to be able to actually build full products into the blockchain itself, such as storage, file tree, oracles, AMMs, for example. You can do all that good stuff. That's exciting stuff. So I mean, that's a good. I think that's a good way to end that. On that was a lot of good info right there. 
And um, yeah, I, it's crazy because I was just thinking of that when you were saying I'm like oracles, you know, and and that's that's huge. Like people don't really get that, and um, it's just exciting that you guys are you know doing your thing, and obviously it's a part of Cosmos and something different than just DeFi. So. You know, I'm always here to help and everyone out there listening, thanks for stopping by and letting us rant and just listening to us. And, you know, always, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me, you can reach out to Donnie and um, yeah, man, appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, just before we sign off, if anyone has any questions for us, feel free to come to the discord. Um, you can get there from jackalprotocol.com. And also if anyone has a business right now uh, that has data storage and you want to start seeing if Jacko might be a good fit for you. We welcome you to come to the Discord and we'll get you on the test net and really hold your hand through the entire process. You'll have a dedicated Jacko Labs employee to uh, hold your hand through that. So thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the Jackal AMA and updates hosted by Cosmos Haas. Recorded on Monday, December 12th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsement. Of course, we're tripping balls, handed reports in. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view. Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop. Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good. So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch Over shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two, show me what that thing could do. Two plus two, show me what that thing could do. Two plus two, show me what that thing could do. Two plus two.